Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success series. Our primetime mastermind focuses on farming. Yes, farming. People are vertically growing gardens in their kitchen, on their rooftops, side yards, backyards, really any and everywhere. We're having young gardeners as young as five and six years old recognized by the state they live in, as well as students. Students who are going to school, learning about gardening, and actually contributing to farmers markets. But America grew up on the farms in the 19th, 18th, 17th, earliest 20th century. And it's not that common now, but it's making a comeback. We talked to former Senator Hank Sanders of the Selma Center for Nonviolence, Truth, and Reconciliation. They give the Jubilee crossing across the Edmund Pettus every year. He grew up on a farm, and he talks to us about the importance of farming. In fact, he was a lead counsel for the nationally known $1.2 billion farmers, black farmers discrimination litigation. And we talk a bit about that, his growing up on the farm and the importance of farming. Hank and I are coming at you right now. How are you doing this morning? I'm blessed. Challenges are great, but blessings are greater. So I'm blessed. Tell me that. How are you doing? Actually, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I am glad that you're back with us. We had a great segment last time. We were talking about, um, you know, uh, civil rights, human rights, and what it means today. But, you know, what I see in trend today is something that you have – uh, been fighting for and been successful with in your career, which is the black farmer. We have a lot of young people who are millennials, Gen Z, Alpha, and we have the youngest black farmer, a girl out there named Kendall in Georgia, who's six. She's a certified farmer. You won a court case for black farmers. And I wanted you to, to kind of refresh our memory about the black farm and why it, it, it's important to us to empower our people with the food we grow and eat? Well, we, we, it is so important that we own land and that we uh, utilize that land uh, uh, in a productive way. Uh, one of the most powerful images for me was when we were growing up, we lived on something called our property. We didn't have, my father didn't have any interest because my grandfather was still living and he lived on it and maybe um, six or seven other families lived on it. Um, But for some reason, some of those heirs took an intense dislike to my mother who was uh, strong and outspoken and whatever. And so the, what they would do is they would stand by the side of the road. Um, we lived in this three-room house, but it was on a 13-acre uh, part of the uh, air property, which was a 100-some acres. And And what happened was when she would go back, each morning, um, 
they'd be standing out there waiting, and they would uh, all of a sudden uh, uh, tell her that that they were going to throw her off the land. And 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 wow. although my mother was very outspoken, she she would just drop her head and go on back, or uh, uh, lift her head and go on back, and refuse to say anything or acknowledge them. And then when she would come back in the evening, the same thing would happen. They'd be out there threatening to throw her off because she had no right to be on the land. And then um, this continued for a long period of time. And then uh, one fall, just as we started to pick cotton, my mother said um, to us, and it was 13 children. It wasn't 13 men. It eventually became 13. Uh, it was nine, eight, nine uh, children. But she said, uh, this this year when y'all pick cotton, you're not going to buy any school clothes. You're not going to buy any school supplies. You're not going to buy anything. I'm going to take that money and go and buy me a piece of land. Because I can't take them threatening me every time I walk back. And so when we got $50 um, from the cotton, and you you would pay $2 per hundred pounds, so it was two cents a pound. So when when we got up to $50, she took it and went about 25 miles from where we lived in a place in adjoining county in in, in adjoining county, which was Escambia County. We lived in Baldwin County, which is uh, adjoining Mobile County. And then we, we, um, and, and, okay. and, and she went to a place called Free Freemanville. And, and that's symbolic, Free Manville. Uh, but, and she put it on one acre of land. And, uh, and she came back. And this was on a Saturday. On, on a Monday, when she was going, uh, when when she was going to work, walking to work, which was like about a mile and and a half, um, they went out there, and and she um, and, and she said they must have overslept. So, but that evening when she came back. Um, they, 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 they still weren't out there. And when she got back, she learned that they had learned that she had bought her a piece of land. And they ceased wow. to threaten her. They never threatened her a single time after that, uh, because she had her own. And so it's important that, that, that we have, that, that left a, a, a powerful impression upon me. And so it was important that I own a piece of land and that I encourage others to own a piece of land. And so that that was always a moving force for me whenever I was dealing and my wife was dealing and my law partner, J.L. Chestnut, was dealing along with others with the black farmers' cases. So it, it was two of them, and it just became very critical because – White people were always taking land. When I came to Selma in 1971, um, a lot of my work was dealt with with people taking 
the black folks' land and and fighting, trying to uh, trying to keep that. And so these cases, when they started in uh, 1997, um, it was one case uh, that lasted uh, a number of years. And then there was a second case that started in um, 2008, and and all of both both of those cases turn out to be the biggest uh, civil rights cases, the biggest uh, land involved cases, because the first case um, resulted in black farmers getting more than a million dollars. I mean, more than a billion dollars. Uh, a little more than a billion dollars. The second case resulted in the farmers getting a billion and a quarter dollars. And the, this, this was very important because the United States government had been a part of the problem. Um, it, it was always difficult to, 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 to get enough money to be able to plant your crop and, and to be able to cultivate your crop and to be able to harvest your crop, but the United States government had programs that would facilitate that if the local bank turned you down, but what they would do with black people is not make the loan, and if they did make a loan, it was only a, a little portion of what they had asked for, and it was always too late. So they contributed to this great loss of land. Um, there were, there were, there were, uh, there had been, um, black folks had managed to get, uh, millions of acres, come out of slavery and got millions of acres. But then it was all being slowly taken back, or fast taken back. And, and that, that's, that's, that's just sort of, a, a background of it. Now farmers, farmers could, could participate in, and, and, and go in and litigate and get the full measure of their damages. But most farmers did not have the documentation for that. So they could apply on the provision where they could get $50,000. We were not under the impression that $50,000 would make somebody whole. Uh, right. But it, it was just so important. I'm just talking on and on. Let me stop. And answer no, your question. But that is vitally important for us to know about, about the ownership of land. You don't hear that. You hear, hey, just, you know, only go out and get your education and only go out and work for somebody else. But we have an issue now where we have health disparities, et cetera. I don't think anyone would know what a rutabaga or or, or even a, a squash is. You know, you know, they wouldn't know if you put it in front of them. You know, uh, I mean, go to one of the universities and put that in front of a raw form. Yeah, put it in front of an athlete and say, "Okay, what is this? We'll give you fifty grand." He wouldn't know. You know, so that is vitally important that we understand as we've grown into a, uh, I guess, a uh, capitalist society and people working in offices and sending out resumes to try to better their life to go places and working in offices. We were agrarian. Even after slavery, during slavery, we're working the land and yeah. having land. And today, millennial Gen Z and others are looking at 
if they live in the the compact city micro farming or putting a farm up on the roof of a house but you know in 1920s in the 1920s there were over a million black farmers today they're less than two percent that own the land and um, yeah. I look at the health decline um, and when you see some of these people who are living 80 90 100 years or whatnot I think part of it after God has to do with what they're feeding their bodies absolutely so yeah, yeah. yeah I think so go ahead no, I'm asking you, because you would know better than me. Well, My well, people own land, but I know you work the farm. I, I did. I, I, my, 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 my experience, um, before I was five years old, I was out in the field helping to pull grass, uh, out in the garden helping to chop the grass, and, and out in the cotton fields helping to pick cotton wasn't big enough to have a sack, so I'd be picking up cotton, uh, picking cotton, putting it in my mama's sack or somebody else's sack and, and whatever. So I, I learned to ply a mule. Uh, the first thing I ever drove was a mule, <laughs> plying a mule yeah, in, in the field. But one of the things that's, there's a sense of independence when you own a piece of land. Uh, that, that's a powerful feeling to be able to go, and 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 whenever you farming, it teaches you all kinds of powerful lessons. It teaches you that that you have to plant something, um, you have to plant something that's gonna grow, and you have to have faith when you plant it because sometimes. Um, the, the, the warmth is, is not right and it doesn't come up. Sometimes the moisture is not right and it doesn't come up. Sometimes the soil is not right and it doesn't come up. Um, but you have to plant anyway. And, and then you're taught that you have to, once whatever comes up, uh, sometimes the birds swoop in and, and eat that and take up the plants. Uh, just as they are bursting through, or sometimes a deer would come, or uh, uh, rabbits would come, or uh, whatever would come, uh, you know. And, and so you you were dealing with all of those kinds of challenges, but then you had to cultivate it. So you had to plant, then you had to cultivate, and then finally you had to harvest it. And you had to have faith that that that, that to plant, and you had to have faith to cultivate. It didn't take me as much faith to be able to harvest because you could see that. But sometimes you would plant a tree and somebody else would sit in the shade <laughs> from that tree uh, years later. So it taught us all kinds of lessons about how we had to uh, live our lives. So that concept of planting didn't just end with um, uh, uh, agriculture. Uh, you you had to plant uh, with education. You had to plant um, uh, with all kinds of work. You 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 had to plant, and it took some faith to be able to plant it because at that very moment you weren't getting very much, you, and you couldn't see exactly how it's gonna come out. So so you just had that faith, and I'm, you know it, 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 that agriculture thing is a very powerful thing about lessons. So. 
it is wonderful if we can get young people to plant many gardens on a workshop because it's a special feeling when you plant something and then you see it finally come up and and then you have to uh you have to fertilize it and you have to protect it and you have to cultivate it it teaches all kinds of uh lives uh, lessons of life it really does i remember when our former first lady uh michelle obama was uh, uh taking people in the garden tour of the white house and teaching about uh you know proper uh, and more natural ways of being and eating and i know that you're a long term advocate uh, of health healthcare and whatnot um yes. which in america is sick care <laughs> basically and if you look how we have moved through the decades you find more fast food and then healthy food restaurants and whatnot in our communities and so it's, it's kind of twofold it's empowering to own the land and then now you have a product that you can use for your family and or sell to the community when you have produce um what do you say to where we are now within our communities and what the industry of fast food has done to us well, the, the industry of fast food um, has damaged uh, us individually and damaged our community uh, in all kinds of ways. Um, because uh, when you when you had to uh, plant the food and cultivate the food and and harvest the food, and then you you had to cook it from scratch and and it would take time to be able to cook that so we developed a, a patience uh because we were doing it but but it was far more healthy for us but then when fast foods come along uh people not only want everything instant in food they want instant in everything they want instant in love they want uh instant in uh, achievements and they want instance in education they want instance in everything but whenever you had to um, peel the food and wash the food and and peel it and then put it in the oven and it may take an hour to be able to cook uh, all of that before you learn so it it it, it was a teaching very powerful lesson um, in all kind of ways um in this situation and so uh plus you know there's nothing like for healthy food of growing the food yourself uh, because you know you know what's there if you grow it uh when you buy it from a store you don't know what all been put on it um because sometimes people put some fertilizer things to make it grow fast and it grows wrong. Sometimes they yeah. put things on to stop the worms from getting it and it's poison and you end up with that poison. So but when you do it yourself, you know uh you know you know what you're getting. I mentioned the millions of people, um millions of black farmers in the early twentieth century and now we 
are having farmers wait for the relief bills that have been put out. Uh, when do you think and do you see a surge of us maybe going back towards owning more land, whether it be for farming or other purposes? Well, you know, uh, sometimes when people struggle, they learn lessons from it, and, 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 and it helps them through a lifetime. But sometimes when something is hard, and farming is, is not easy because you, that's physical work. I mean, you, 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 uh, you, you, now you may have a lot of equipment, but back then you didn't have a lot of equipment. So sometimes you had to hold with your hand, or sometimes you had to break the, the ground um, physically, uh, and then you had to plant physically and all of those things. So uh, a lot of people just felt like it was important to get away from um, the farm because it was hard work and because it took time and because it took faith and, and, and because it took investment. And so people scattered all across the country and they, the many just wanted to get away. Um, and, but they didn't realize that they were getting away from, uh, independence, uh, as well. They, they didn't realize that they were getting away from, um, investment. They didn't, uh, realize that they were getting away from, uh, 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 uh more healthy, far, uh, more healthy food and a more healthy situation. So, um it's 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 gonna take a lot to educate people when people decide um to um uh, start farming even with many farmers that's why many farmers many farming will will help us to see the value of it and some people will then uh begin to farm not as a supplement to their way of life but begin to farm as a way of life. And, and, and that's not easy because it takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of faith. Uh, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of effort. But um, but we, we have to find a way to um, make that kind of uh, effort and make that kind of investment. This is awesome information. Um, I have a family in Chilton County, and even though they have modern homes and modern cars, etc., out the back door or side door, <laughs> several yards away, there's farming. There's produce growing. And yeah. it, it's interesting to see that. And, and, you know, the fact that there are many people that are just coming out of college or even still in grade school, they're interested in this issue. So I'm glad I had you on our segment today. I uh, wanted to ask, they're in Selma. I know that uh, it's a home of uh, civil rights and civil rights activities. And many of the people that were marchers sir, were either related, family farming, fathers were farmers, etc. Um, how are the farms there where you're at? Are they intact? Do many of the families that you personally know still own those tracts of land? I, I know some people who 
own the tracts of land, but hardly anybody is utilizing those tracts of land. And when you don't utilize it to actually farm, then you're on your way to losing that tract of land. And, wow. and, and, and that's what's happening uh, too often. Uh, but when you use it, you, you're investing time and energy in it, and you value it differently. When you don't use it, it gets farther and farther away from uh, your mind. It gets farther and farther away from uh, your spirit. It gets farther and farther away from your life. And, and, and therefore, uh, when somebody comes along and want to buy uh, your uh, little small interest out of a, a piece of their property, then you're willing to, to sell it and get a, get rid of it because uh, you don't uh, uh, you, you don't value it because you haven't been part of, of using it. To you, it's just something there. You don't have that sense of ownership, that sense of, of value, that sense of investment. So we got a long ways to go. Even folks who own land here, that, that, those are ongoing struggles. Yeah, and, and the reason I ask that question, we see Whole Foods, we see fresh markets, we see many of these organic um, industries growing and making serious money. And then we see the farmer's markets, which are vitally important, which bring produce into the cities and suburbs. And it would be great to see more minority-owned firms doing this type of thing, whether it be with the grocery stores or more black-owned groceries and, and uh, farmers' markets. Well, That's why I ask you these questions. Okay, and I, I want to tell you about an experience I had. Uh, uh, two experiences. One, uh, I uh, at one point I decided I wanted to be a farmer, so I left the practice of law and and planted a, a farm, uh, and I planted sweet potatoes. But I didn't do anything about uh, determining the market and all of those things for them. I didn't know about curing because when we used to do them years ago, we would dig a hole in the ground and and, and put straw in there and and then cover them up. That that was that was how we preserved them. But um, after about six months of that farming, that experience. I realized I wanted to own a farm, not be a farmer. And that's a big difference between owning a farm and being a farm, uh, being a farmer. And, mm -hmm. and then uh, the second thing is uh, I started planting a, a big garden, several acres, you know, uh, maybe 10, 12 acres, because the house sits on a 28-acre a, a um, uh Place so, um, so I would grow all of this, and then I would tell people they could come and get it. But they didn't. They they asked me to pick it after I have planted it, I have fertilized it, I have cultivated it, I have grown it. But they wanted me to pick it and bring it to them. They didn't want to come out in the field themselves and and and, and pick it. 
so uh so it it was a a challenging experience and they say you, you know you can get all the corn you want fresh corn you want all of the fresh beans you want all of the fresh greens you want uh all of these things but they didn't want to do it they they wanted me to pick it and and bring it to their house and for free i mean because that's that's wow i, I told them they could come out there for free and get all they want but they didn't want to so it was right in the field sometime oh my heavens yeah because um in the the cities, you know, they have these little micro farms uh, where they bring school children out just to teach them, you know, how it is to plant and, you know, cultivate, etc. And it's vitally important that we have a fresh supply of food, you know, that grows from the ground <laughs> naturally. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's becoming very popular, and so are these fresh food stores. And so I, I wanted to bring that out, that we were an agrarian society even before slavery ended. And and even when we came to the country, we had to always grow food, always, you know. So it's valuable. It's a product that you can sell. But the black farmer, I mean, it's less than 50% now in America, where it used to be a little over a million farms so i think that it's it's important that we at least take a look at this yes there are going to be costs to having a farm but if you want fresh food and know where it comes from and want a better lifestyle or to contribute to a better lifestyle that might be something people might want to look at yes and you know so much of this go back to slavery because um during slavery you could have a little garden to 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 have some food to 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 be able to eat to supplement uh, that which uh, you may have uh, been provided uh, the minimal amount by uh, the, uh, the 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 plantation owner, but you they 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 would pass law. Saying you couldn't sell any of the food, they, they didn't. They didn't want you to have that sense of independence where you sold it. So you couldn't even sell it to other enslaved people there. You know, so all of those kinds of things uh, had some impact on us. You were making a really good point about uh, you know people who own those uh, lots not being able to sell to other people was it just in the in the slave codes or the codes of the day what what prevented people from uh selling the project yeah, no it was it, it was in slave codes um because if you sold and you you made a little money then you felt more independent you felt a different sense of accomplishment and it wasn't as easy to keep you enslaved so they that that was that was all kinds of of things to make us less dependent and 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 so owning things would make you feel more uh, self sufficient and more independent so they didn't want you to own anything even the clothes on your back was considered to belong to the um to the enslaver so uh, you know it's just so many 
different uh, elements to these uh, particular dynamics. And that's why it's so amazing that so many people were able to acquire land after coming out of slavery and didn't have a single thing, didn't own a single thing, uh, not even the clothes on their back. And yet uh, these, uh, these, these people who uh, most of didn't have any kind of education, could not read or write, and yet they acquired millions of acres of land. I, I think that's sort of an extraordinary uh, accomplishment. But the sad part is about it is that people eventually uh, lost most of it because they were um, so many wanted to to get away from it. The difficulty, the threat. Um, Yeah. Yeah, but it's going back that way. It's going to have to go back that way to a degree. And people have become inventive by, you know. I think it's just critical. My mother had a, a, a saying that was that that has guided me all of my life, and she would say, "Take what you have and make what you need," and and that's a that's a powerful concept. Um, because when we were growing up, uh, we were we were truly poor. We weren't just poor; we were poor. <laughs> and 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 uh, but rice was something that was inexpensive, and so uh, we would have rice every day. But sometimes the the rice would be with eggs in the morning, or sometimes the rice would be with with a piece of fat meat and some of the grease on it, or sometimes it would be with tomatoes and red rice, and sometimes it would be with a can of Jack mackerel, and it would be mackerel and rice. Uh, there was always something different. So I, I never thought about we were having rice every day at that time. It was only whenever I looked back and realized that um, we were having rice uh, every day. But she would do things in her creativity, taking what she had and make what she need so that we didn't say, oh, we got rice again, because she would do different do different things uh, with it. Mm-hmm. Awesome. And that's sometimes what students have to do when they have <laughs> to stretch a budget. Uh, you know, you have to get oh, yeah. with, uh, well, you know, what, what can I do, oh, and, yeah. you know, before the next paycheck or before the next time I can, you know, find, um, you know, money for mom or dad or whoever. Um, yeah, it's vitally important. But, you know, it's twofold now. Um, We're in a pandemic, and many of the stores now are running low on uh, certain items. And then if you go to Whole Foods, you will give your whole paycheck over there for probably two or three items. But if you you go to that store, uh, as wonderful and as enticing as it is uh, for organic foods, so... You know, my focus was what can we do to empower ourselves, number one, and helpfully, you know, have a better life for us and our families. And I'm glad that you were able to talk about this issue today. Uh, we are coming up, uh, before we know it, we'll be at Jubilee. Do you know anything that might be going on this next year in 2022? Oh, oh yes. We we would definitely have it um 
and I, <laughs> we don't know what the pandemic is going to do, but we're going to have it. Like earlier this year in March, um, uh, what, what we did was uh, we couldn't go in buildings, so we had people to do drive-ins um, where we had the unit at breakfast. So you, you could drive in and then be able to see a big screen and then be able to hear it. And, and we had people to, um, uh, some people to come there live and present, but others uh, presented, you know, virtually. The, the President Biden, he, 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 he presented virtually and, uh, and Congressman Jim, uh, can't pull up his name, from South Carolina. Uh, he presented uh-huh. virtually. Uh-huh. And, Clyburn. Uh, Clyburn. Senators, Clyburn. And both, both of those senators from Georgia uh, presented virtually. So uh, we found a way to go ahead. Uh, when, even though we couldn't go in the building, we found a way to have a drive-in so that people could come in for that unit at breakfast. So there will be many activities uh, for, for the bridge crossing jubilee, and we'll have to find ways to to be able to do it. And sometimes we have to be creative in that. But yes, uh, because the bridge crossing jubilee is an international event, and 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 it, it lifts all of the struggles that we had uh, around not only voting but other things. And it lifts how we overcame those, and it tells us that we have to overcome the challenges we are still facing because the attack on voting rights is, is at a worse level now at, at any time since uh, 1965. And but we have to find a way to meet that challenge. And the Bridge Crossing Jubilee challenges us and inspires us and. And and, and 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 empowers us to help meet that challenge. Yes, and we call on all people because voting rights is um, it, it's under attack, and we have more of a browning of America and more people that will be affected if we lose those rights. And uh, it, it, yeah, because if you look at the, the Reconstruction Amendments, and I'll end with this: the Reconstruction Amendments, of course, were written for newly freed slaves. But we have many ethnicities in the country now that that voting rights, if if it does not go through, it it will affect. It will affect. I mean, I, I, it, you are absolutely right. Um, the United States has been a symbol. Of democracy all over the world, but until 1965, it's hard to say that the United States was a a real democracy because a significant portion of its population, uh, black folks in particular, that um, in many places in the United States did not have the right to vote, and and that was a great great battle um, to be able to achieve. Uh, the Voting Rights Act, and but it took years to, to to implement that Voting Rights Act, and of course the Supreme Court has moved to 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 gut Section Five in the Voting Rights Act, and recently began to gut Section Two. Uh, we need to pass um, 
the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, and we need to pass um, uh, some of some some of the other voting right issues because uh, the movement white supremacists says that that democracy is only for white people, and 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 and, and they can uh, willingly sacrifice black people. And, and and we have to fight that at every turn. We do. We do. And we'll continue in participating and give the website and all the information. It will start probably in, in uh, late January. We'll get information on our sites yes. and on the show to let people know how they can participate, where they can participate. Thanks so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it. We appreciate you being here. Well, thank you, and um, we just we, we hope we said something that um, will will help in, uh, in in a small way. Thank you so much. Oh yes, thank you so much. Have a blessed day. You too.